Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for coming back to visit us this week at the Rosé Room. Cashin and I are so excited about the next couple of episodes because we wanted to take the time out to answer real questions that you guys asked us. Not only that, but we wanted to release two special episodes. So my interview with Taylor will answer some in-depth questions that you guys submitted, um, along with some information that she wanted you guys to know. And then I'll be releasing the interview with me that she asked me questions of. I really can't talk today. I'm really struggling through this. It's okay. I think you're also a little nervous that we have to talk about ourselves because it wasn't (laughs) our original plan today, but I'm okay with it. I really am prepared to kind of open up to the world and get started. So Cash, are you ready to interview me? I am ready. Um, and we're just going to start with the simple basics. So go ahead and introduce yourself and try not to repeat too much of what we talked about episode one. Okay. So simply, my name is Taylor Gresson, recently Taylor Gresson McKenzie. Um, I am a native born Las Vegas girl. So I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I am a local entrepreneur. I am a wife and part of a very large group of friends and family. My family is basically all everybody anything knows about. So in a nutshell, like that's me, guys. Hi, Taylor and her family. Okay, so what was young Taylor like and how have you changed from her to the woman you are today? Oh, good question. See, we didn't even really know these questions either. Okay, (laughs) young Taylor was a little awkward. I always felt like I was born to extremely loud personalities. Um, I went to public school, thank goodness. I really enjoyed my public education. I know a lot of kids out there go to private school, but um, I had to go with everybody else um, from all the way to the most basic economic, you know, being poor to the richest kids ever. So um, young Taylor, I feel like was stressed a lot. I don't know. I was just bored, stressed, um, and also fat. I was bored, fat, stressed, guys. I'm not even going to let you. (laughs) I love food. I'm obsessed with food. Everybody knows that I just can't get enough tacos in a day, like tacos, sushi, anything good. Um, So stressed and, you know, and overweight. And I think that was such a a very large key element of, of growing up because when you grow up and you're not that, you know, like first amazing, attractive, like track star or cheerleader or, and I didn't go to a high school that was very normal either. So, um, I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't the thinnest. I wasn't any, like, I didn't stand out for anything other than what I felt like I was funny. I don't know why, but I really thought I was funny in high school. Like I was hilarious (laughs) to myself. Um, and I had funny friends, like we were on debate team and super nerdy. So, um, I was just, I was obsessed with makeup too, ironically. Like I don't wear much now, but I I loved makeup. I was doing Mac and all that stuff. So young Taylor was like super stressed out. And how I think I, you asked me how I transformed, right? Yes. Okay. Still stressed, still kind of fat. The (laughs) difference is, is I think I've grown to understand that stress is not a bad thing. Um, The world is not always falling to the ground. It is not every single decision you make isn't the most important decision. I think I just gave myself way too much responsibility about everything, whether it was like the sandwich I was eating at lunch or, you know, all the way down to like, were my shoes okay? So um, I've definitely transformed into a more... I guess, emotionally intelligent person. Mm-hmm. Thank God, because it's, yeah. And I'm thinner now, true. I'm probably, what, 75 pounds lighter mm-hmm. than when I, yeah, believe it or not, guys, I had to lose 75 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> okay, so this, for me, is the most interesting thing about you. 
So you're a Jehovah's Witness. Yes. And your mom, we all know, is Nurse D. Yes. Um, the best one there is. <laughs> the best one. Just a footnote. Um, but how has that been? Oh, my gosh. It's so funny being a Jehovah's Witness. And, and a Jehovah's Witness by faith. I think I've always been very weird to other Jehovah's Witnesses because I'm loud and crude and, you know, different. Um, but they've always accepted me with open arms. I think the one thing about it is, is that no one knows what that is. Like, everybody is like, what do you guys believe? Like, the plant, you know, they always get me confused with, like, the Mormon planets or, you know, whatever it was. So, uh, Well, I think there's a large stigma attached to Jehovah's Witness. Like, door to door, guys. Exactly. I they did make that. fun of you for that. Oh, I did yeah. it. Girl, I did it. Um, I still do it. I think it's fantastic. Um, I probably don't do it as much as I should. But I, you know, preaching is a huge part of that particular uh, part of my life. So sharing that, you know, was always a huge thing. Like, talking about God, talking about your religion, talking talking about the Bible. Um, I think I've read the Bible 13, 14 times in my life. Don't tell my mom because you're supposed to read it every year. Uh, but, you know, I, I've, I've read and, and I've gotten to develop a really honest relationship um, with being a Jehovah's Witness. And I love it because it's Bible based. Um, just so everybody knows, it is a completely Bible based Christian religion um, that believes, you know, obviously in God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit in what order is it is up for a different debate in a different time. Um, but yeah, I was raised, you know, Christian. But the weird part is, is as much as I identify, I think being religiously a Jehovah's Witness, I identify uh, culturally being Jewish. So like, that's weird too, because my dad is, you know, born the Bronx, very Jewish doctor man, you know, didn't really um, take, not take my mother's religion seriously. I think he just never identified truly with that. And, um, and I grew up in that culture. Like everybody assumed that because I had a black mother, I was eating black food and like urban life and everything. And I'm like, well, actually no, like my dad cooked every meal. Um, he taught us, you know, I learned so I learned the Torah front to back. I was like a religious student regardless of it. So I think it's just really the basis of religion has taught me to be a good person, which I know sounds super cliche because a lot of religion doesn't elicit good things out of people. Um, but you know, having those morals and that compass in a time where I feel like nobody else does, like even the message around the world today is like religion is bad. It's not good. I think that organized religion has contentions and, and problems people face. But um, for me, it being, you know, Jehovah's Witness by religion and Jewish by culture has been an identity for me that's kept me quite successful and, and quite happy. I really don't feel like I've, you know, not being able to celebrate Christmas and my birthday was ever a bad thing. My mom made it amazing and she told me why and I really understood and appreciated it. And it's something, even when I had the chance to grow out of, I still chose to do. Right. So I obviously like it enough to do it as an adult. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I, to kind of piggyback off that, being a Jehovah's Witness, you have to have chaperone date. <gasps> yes, I did. Okay, so... Mm -hmm. Please, oh my please, 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 please shed some light on the chaperone dates that you had to have with your now husband. Yes. Um, and I'd love to hear more about stories of this particular thing um, with people in your kingdom hall. Okay. Um, you know, and just the concept of dating, because Kasha was asking me before this, because <laughs> I knew this question was going to be in here. Um, she's like, so are there dates where people have been like on a chaperone date and it not work out? Absolutely. And it is some <laughs> funny things. I think it's so funny. I'm just like, just for a woman to be like, oh, I'm not that into you. And like somebody else was participating on your date and they know too oh my um, god <laughs> that's gotta be the next show like that should be an mtv show right there oh my god okay um, but my chaperone dates weren't like super difficult because i feel like everybody envisions like dorinda sitting four rows behind us at like the movie theater or like at the next table yes uh, no so i didn't i i did a lot of dating with friends and the good thing is when dean and i were dating he lived in england 
So my husband is from England. We did that long distance relationship. So thank God my mom didn't have to be like on my phone calls <laughs> to oh, like my, my God. phone dates, as she would call them. Um, but yeah, I it, it was so fun to like have a bunch of my friends all the time. And, um, you know, and they would they would drop us off like they wouldn't make us eat every single meal together. Like, you know, it's mainly like driving the car. And there's a reason like I really do want to explain it. It was so frustrating when you're going through it. But um, the you know, the way of our religion has definitely, like I said, Bible based. So it is like they don't believe in fornication or like sex before marriage. So I was raised with that belief and I actually did that. Oh my gosh, I know. I didn't know if I was going to like tell everybody, but like I stayed a virgin until I got married and Dean is the only person that I've ever had sexual relationship with. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kept me really satisfied as a person. I have met other people where that particular route didn't go well you know, at the end of it, it wasn't like they stayed together or it wasn't like a good choice. Um, I got married because I truly met somebody that I was obsessed with. And by the way, when I met Dean, he was not a baptized Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, he converted. Like his whole family was that a little bit, like his grandfather and uh, a couple of his uncles had were that. And so he knew what being a Jehovah's Witness was his whole life. Um, Very few of his family members actually even celebrated birthdays or Christmas. So it was like a really easy transition for him. But yeah, like I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I was born to two people who don't believe the same religion and it was a nightmare for me. You know, like my dad's telling me one thing, my mom's telling me another. And to be in the the center of that is good and bad. As a child, it's stressful because you want to please both parents. Um, as an adult, you look back and re- you reflect on, thank goodness I had to deal with two different types of people because it made me so strong, you know, and it made me really think about who I was instead of like, oh, am I just being Jewish because, you know, they're profitable and wealthy or, you know, do I believe that religion or do I want to be Jehovah's Witness because it's been a pressure? So um, I chose to stay that way and to kind of just cultivate my relationship with being a Jehovah's Witness and my husband because it's it's an important thing. Like we believe in God in our marriage. You know, we pray together, all those things, things that I know that aren't like traditionally super attractive values, but we still do them. And I've been successfully married for what's going to be seven years. I got married young. Yeah. Yeah. literally so crazy I can't I even imagine but chaperone dates were hilarious so answer. but I guess like so you can be chaperoned with your friends yeah 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 okay it's just so, to make sure that you're not like running off and like having sex in the corner basically yeah you know you go out for some drinks and it's the <laughs> you know what happens on dates guys. okay well I have a question like w- at what age does the chaperoning cease it doesn't oh my god girl you can still be 50 years old with a chaperone no so, way yes and it is that truly is the funniest thing I've ever that is on. wild okay so the show needs to be chaperone <laughs> confessions of a Jehovah's Witness or Mormons too because this is a Mormon rule too if you didn't know they're just all out here doing their own thing but that is a rule and a lot of religions that teach no sex before marriage so it's just to ensure that you know you don't feel like pressured or obligated or or you get wrapped up in yourself but I also know it's not a standard that 99.9% of the world cares or thinks about (laughs) (laughs) imagining being like at this age and like having a chaperone date is like hilarious to me or even like my (sighs) nana who is like 71 like being her on a chaperone date I feel like none of the uber BS would happen though like, yeah. I feel like none of this like <laughs> hit and run stuff. I think that should be a thing. Like you should be able to order a chaperone. So in case you don't want to sleep with a guy at the end of a date, you don't have to. You're be- I'm, my chaperone has to take me home. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she has a stomachache. <laughs> oh my God. I okay. love it though. Okay. So moving forward. All right. So we already know that you got married young. Yeah. 23. Um, but more importantly, what do you, what is it like being young and in love and then trying to start a career? Because 
when I think of what I was doing at 23, it's very different. You know, I had to be very independent and my headspace was never going to be on marriage at that age. Um, and I was in a serious relationship and I remember thinking like, there's so many things I want to do and I can't do that with this person. So what do you feel, how has marriage impacted, I guess, your direction or how do you think it's enhanced? Uh, it's both. So I think, um, being married is hard period. I don't, I don't think that you could have one, person in the world that's like being married so easy if you're in the relationship you're supposed to be in working to be a better person consistently for the other person is very hard work I think young you're growing and transforming daily so I was always very concerned if I got married before 25 I was going to like transform into this other person but what I knew about myself was a I was obsessed with my like you guys I was obsessed you can ask any of my friends like there was no morning noon or night without Dean okay like I was <laughs> love sick okay yeah. is disgusting I actually like look back on it and I'm like Dean you are so fortunate I loved you that much at that point because wow it, it was scary like single white female scary <laughs> um, so I think you know being obsessed with somebody and then also having to generate this concept of a career um, and an identity at 23 was scary more than anything the way it has been successful for me has been I found a person who had similar if not equal work ethic to me I knew regardless, Dean was always going to be working to be a better person. So I think, you know, I'm just fortunate that the the qualities that I saw or I found important in a person, I found in someone I was obsessed with and it just happened to be at 23. And mind you, I met Dean when I was at like a nightlife event at the top of the Palms and he was with his friends. Like this wasn't love at first sight or anything like that. So my journey through love was really like from zero to hero you know, a year later after meeting him to being basically obsessed and planning marriage, plus the 90 day fiance, like, yeah, they didn't tell me that show existed. Then I could have gotten a couple <laughs> free things, but, uh, you know, just like that whole thing. So I think finding my, finding my, my partner in life at 23 was amazing for me because I don't have to go through any of the things that you guys are going through right now. Like I look at you and Raquel and everybody and just the people dating around me and it seems so difficult um i think even in going to the kingdom hall and looking at that space it's difficult to be dating regardless of if you're religious not religious you know gay or straight it's a hard knock thing um so i think i've been able to focus on my career more because i was actually a lot less concerned about who i was dating what i looked like at that time everything like that but on the flip side i was also having to develop and problem solve as a new wife and cooking and cleaning wasn't really like the highlight of my like resume. So like, <laughs> I wasn't like, yeah, I'm definitely like a five star Michelin cook and yeah. I like cook, it, like, it wasn't me. So developing a compromise in that balance at 23 years old is hard. And seven years later, I'm almost 30 and um, it's still just as hard, but very rewarding. And if you work hard at your marriage or anything really, it kind of pays off, but it's fun. Like, yeah, well, I think that also segues into my next question because you know, basically what you're saying is that getting married young really helped you shape your career because it allowed you to focus on other things that weren't necessarily superficial. So with that being said, we obviously work in the beauty industry. And before DeRose, you also had Paperback Beauty, have Paperback Beauty, which so is true. our yeah, <laughs> makeup company. Um, what 
basically makes you feel beautiful? Because this is such a generic question, I know, but it, it's really indicative of who people are because everyone's answer is really different. Well, and it's I'm such a paradox with this or I'm just such a conundrum because um, what makes me feel beautiful is actually skincare. It's why we started a lot of DR. Um, makeup is something that I've always been talented at applying. Um, I truly understand photos, photographs, sets, uh, film, TV. Like I've always been very interested in that. So um, it was easy for me to jump down that particular road. Um, But I don't identify with that. Like when I look at a model and if I was to have that much makeup on or my hair was blow dried in that fashion or I had to be in that outfit, it wouldn't make me feel like those girls do when they get photographed. So if you know me at all, you know, like 90% of the time I have some blue jean jacket on. Um, I have my hair in some ridiculous up ponytail style Mm -hmm. um, and absolutely no makeup. Mm -hmm. I very rarely wear any makeup whatsoever. Um, So what makes me feel beautiful is skincare and really beautiful nails. I think getting your nails done really shows you like if a lady cares about themselves and it doesn't have to be longer, like so true. 750 million colors, Tina. Um, (laughs) But I do love short red nude, like classy nails. Like I think just nails in a jean jacket for me is uh, yes. We love it. Chef's kiss. (laughs) Okay. So Fast forward to old Taylor. Who is she in your mind? I feel like I know this answer. Okay. But I'm going to let you answer it, obviously. Okay, everyone does. Uh, okay. Have you ever known Iris Apfel? Is that the, the lady with the big glasses? Yes. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. So if, yes. if you follow Vogue or Elle magazine, yes. you will have seen a lady. She is approximately 92, I think, 98, <laughs> something ridiculous. Um, and she has these circular, huge, multi, every color of the rainbow from Chanel to Dior, like these crazy glasses. They did a documentary on her on Netflix, I want, right? That's going to be me. Yes. Me and her will both be that person. But what I did she wait. do? Um, I believe she's in fashion. Okay. So fashion icons. I believe she was an editor for a while. I don't okay. actually know. I'm just like actually obsessed with the way she looks at 98 years. I know fashion icon for Taylor McKenzie over here is 98. <laughs> uh, but I love her so much and she's so eclectic and she's so crazy. And I just think that I can really see like she's made her money. Like yeah. you can, she wears it girl. Okay. Like every <laughs> ring is worth $3 million. Every coat is fur mink. Like I love that she is 98 years old being like, I raised these kids. I done done all this stuff and I am fabulous. And now everyone has to cart me around. So I want to be carted around because I feel like I'm so accommodating. Yeah. Like I, the real thing about old, about young Taylor is what I'm going to be saying at, in 50 years is don't accommodate everybody. Cause I think that's been definitely a problem for me. We are just so accustomed to accommodating whether it's your mom whether it's your boyfriend whether it's your husband even your friends right like we accommodate every single person and actually in business with cashin is where i've been learning like don't accommodate and don't apologize because mm-hmm. your inner tuitions and the inner part of you is really why we're here so um to not second guess yourself or self-doubt is a huge one for me at 50 i just know like taylor's not going to be self-doubting in a mink coat with 150 million rings on. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, to touch on what you just said, we'll segue into a separate question. How do you think your upbringing or your personality right now is impacting like your life, not just in business, but I think that, you know, we've had this conversation before. And when it comes to women in business, we as women are raised differently than men are. And it shows in how we interact with one another in the workplace, in our personal lives, like in our relationships, like it's very indicative of you know, hey, as women, we have to be more accommodating. And how has that impacted your decision making when it comes to the business, when it comes to your relationships, you know? 
I think for some good and some bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, obviously we've, this year and the year before, I've learned to be more direct in my vision. So I think that, you know, when you're trying to develop an idea, you're a little bit concerned and over, you know, you overthink so many of the decisions that you make on a daily basis. But I think that my mind and my development at this point has definitely, um, you know, accommodation is fine. You can accommodate people you love. You can accommodate customers. You can accommodate anything. Losing your vision through accommodation and losing yourself through accommodating is the boundary. And that's something I struggle with. Everybody's like, I struggle with what people think about me. I actually don't. Um, I struggle (laughs) with not wanting to accommodate every human being and what they think because I truly feel like I want everyone around me to be happy. I thrive on that. If you feel like you're your purpose is fulfilled and you're a happy person, I'm happy. But I think that's a hard thing because the natural inclination of where we come from is accommodate to achieve. Mm-hmm. And you can't. You, yeah. you have to be direct and clear and just as concise as everybody else, but also um, compassionate and show empathy. And there's a fine line to walk with that as a leader. It is. It's really hard, um, not only just in business, but, you know, as women. And like, I think you getting married at a young age and being able to like focus on wanting to build a career that really does it really does shape how successful people are I guess if you don't have a supportive partner and you don't have a supportive family and they're asking too much of you you will 100% lose yourself absolutely and I think to add to that um, I also have a partner who has chased his dreams in the most amazing way Um, My husband came from England with a dream and he was an engineer, but he wanted to work at Apple and he wanted to work at Philips and like all these amazing companies that were Fortune 500 in like his little dreams as a child. Um, And to just see him be tenaciously trying to achieve that as well and to equally have to be as supportive as a partner, I think inspired me to be like, hey, this is not easy. Um, I'm going to have bad days. He's going to have bad days. But Um, It's the in tandem support that we've had to find through problem solving that's really important because um, my recommendation if you're dating is to find somebody who inspires you, maybe not in your wheelhouse, um, but is that person somebody that you're constantly competing to over? I'm like, I'm trying to beat my husband at every single thing over here one day, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, are you competitive in a healthy, natural way? Mm -hmm. Like, are you being motivated to move forward? And that's like, that's my whole thing. I'm evolving every single day. And as long as the people around us are too, you'll find so much growth and success. I, I can't even describe. Oh, I totally agree. So with that in mind, I know that you have your own separate vision for where you want to be as well. Obviously, we've talked about deans. Um, where do you see yourself? Realistically, where what are your goals? Oh, I think that's really... And I always thought that I'd buy and sell businesses. Okay. I, I always really thought that that would be the key basis of my life. Um, right now, that's not a possibility because we obviously are obsessed with our brand still. Um, but being able to be a developer of entrepreneur and startups has always been, I feel like, what I've personally been good at. And since I've met you, it's definitely been what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. Um, The daily operations of a business to me are tedious and difficult and while absolutely necessary, um, it's it's not where I find my my flow as a leader. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think, like, honestly, uh, I see myself absolutely consulting. I do think we will still own Duro's Beauty Refinery. I don't, I always said, like, when we first started, I'm going to sell this for whatever million dollars I can. Um, But you know what? I've, I've become so in love with the brand and the people that we have built together on. Um, I don't think I'll be able to sell my first two, uh, but I definitely would like to create businesses and absolutely sell them or help other people. I'm like, I'm sure there's other med spas and things that need us out there, Cashin. 
Well, we already, that just goes without saying. Yeah, but, of course. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, on to the next question. If you could live anywhere, in, oh my gosh, sorry. Let me start that question over. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? <gasps> Holland. Okay. Wow. Okay. I really, that's a free country right there. Like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, America's been great, but in all the places I've traveled and I think that I would live, no one would know me there for one. Like not <laughs> one person could be speaking to me in any language that I know. Um, so like plus, but um, it's really pretty and they have a really cool fashion scene. So I've, I love it. I think everything, I think it's really interesting. That was the, before marijuana was legal um my husband had taken us on a trip to holland but he did not tell me during this trip by the way that marijuana prostitution and almost all scheduled to class narcotic drugs are legal completely legal so we are walking around in our group and 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 walking in amsterdam and i'm like "Uh, what is that a stripper in the window (laughs) i'm like do they dance and he's like no honey like they're not and then this guy like walks by me with a blunt and i'm like I'm sorry. What's happening right now? And it's just to see such a free culture. Like I don't participate in prostitution, nor do I sell cannabis. But I think that just being in a culture that is so genuinely free and so beautiful, um, I would totally live in Holland for sure. Amsterdam or Utrecht or anywhere kind of like, you know, that area. Okay. So then tell me what's on your bucket list because that kind of coincides like what I have to do before I die? Yes. Oh my God, that's such a long list. Are okay, sure? well, condense. <laughs> oh my God, I'm touching my forehead. Like, oh my God, I don't know. Um, okay, one thing I think I have to do before I die is either have or buy a baby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what a sentence. I okay, have, that's the only way. Like, come on. Surrogate, whatever you want to call that, that's purchasing a, a child, really. Um, I'm okay with it. I, I think I, I don't want that naturally. So I've been like really thinking about this because you guys, the podcast is a reflection. I just want you to know, like, Cash and I go home and like cry and like think about ourselves. And like, it's <laughs> the worst mirror, really, you could ever see in yourself. Not only because you have to listen to yourself, and I don't know if you know, no one likes the sound of their own voice. Um, but you have to also, you know, consider yourself and your presentation. Um, so, you know, I, I want to have a baby because I think it's selfless um, for me, but not for my baby. Like, obviously, that's not a selfless act for my baby. Um, and then the other thing on my bucket list is to um, live without a home for one year. I like know. outside? No. Okay, <laughs> no, 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 no. Just like not, not taped to a house. Oh, yeah. Like, but yeah. you say, yeah, but like, do you know how hard, like, the concept, like, not going home for one year? Like, no, like, I don't want to see a dish. I don't want to know anything okay. for one year. Like, I like, want to travel trying the world to be for, nomadic year. For, for one year. For one year. But I want to own a home. Like, I don't want to be homeless. Okay. I you just, just don't want to go to home for one year. For one whole year. Okay. Because I think it would be the hardest challenge. I could never. I Exactly. Which is why I want to do it. Never. I'm moving in with my parents. I'm, like, going through my house and, like, throwing everything away. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, what if we took this, like, one further? And I didn't take any of this stuff with me. Like, what if I just left my whole house, like, at my house? And I did not... Like, yeah. bring it into the next chapter of my life. I think that's a great idea. I would be fine. Dorinda would be beside herself if I, like, threw away her whole house. <laughs> I did it once. Um, but I just think that it's, like, that concept of minimalism to me has always been super, like, attractive being old. Like, older. 
like when you're 13 to 20 you're just like how am I going to get stuff yeah and then 21 (laughs) to like 40 you're like how do I get rid of all this stuff (laughs) Uh, so so I'm like how do I get rid of it a bucket list is to get rid of everything I know it's weird it's weird so you want to go all over the world have no home and then you want to what for a year go be Iris Apple didn't you hear all the money I I know that's it so it's there's no in between so when you leave and you come back from your one year hiatus you're gonna be Iris they'll probably be very close to the times (laughs) of each other (laughs) when you can relax you'll be 90 and then 91 you'll be here (laughs) me I mean I want to be living between hospitals <laughs> I'm like, right. I'm just an old person inside. Um, so I don't know. Like, because honestly, cash in when everybody's like, who's young Taylor? Who's old Taylor? I'm like, the Taylor I am today, I never envisioned. Like, if you told me sitting in high school when I was worried about going to law school, because I like seriously thought I was going to be a lawyer, still probably am, by the way. That's my true dream job. Um, and I'm just so interested in, you know, being that and doing that and now I'm like over here owning a med spa with you (laughs) okay like you know I would not have ever have guessed it imagined it and there's not a different scenario I would have ever have wanted so I think yes like there's probably going to be a lot of details in between that but I just like want to have a minimal year where we aren't buying and doing anything and then I want to have like everything I ever owned on top of my body so you want to have minimalistic year one mm-hmm. and then you want to come home and have extravagance until death yeah okay. well I get it within reason because I don't think like also my upbringing also taught me like don't be obsessed with money mm-hmm. I feel like every single person who's born Jewish is like hide your gold in your backyard we will never have money ever again you better eat out of cans like um, I was not raised like that. I was raised with generosity in my heart and I was raised with giving back. And my dad was a surgeon for people who didn't have insurance. Like I was always taught that you go above and beyond for people. So like I'm not I don't have a very heavy relationship with money. Yeah. Other than paying people their paychecks, really. Yeah. So okay. and that's maybe fair. that's why I'm not Donald Trump. But, you know, I'm not like <laughs> you're fired. Um, but I do love that, too. I wish I could be more like that, but I'm just not I'm not there. I'm not rude yet. Well, it's hard. I think it's a fine line, too. Again, I think this goes to show, like, hey, like, the fine line between being accommodating and then also having to be a savage in business and in relationships is is hard. And then we're smart. Can I just highlight that that's, like, a really hard place to be, too? Yeah. When you're, like, good at something, you're really intelligent, um, you're pretty, oh, my God, just, like, all these problems we have. Oh <laughs> uh, but, you know, being intelligent, too, is really hard because you want to participate in the elite, you know, like, at university or you want to, you know, have a... a I want to have a TED talk one day mm-hmm. and I'm like oh if I don't have a PhD like does that disqualify me yeah absolutely not I mean I, I think that's the beauty of really our generation as well not just as millennials but the age in which we live in is interesting because the internet has made all like literally everybody's dreams possible I mean look at every look at the YouTube stars like look at people who have TED talks I mean I listen to them all the time and these aren't people who are just collegiate officials or you know et cetera et cetera business owners like these are people who come from all walks of life that are leaders in their industry but that looks very different from person to person and I don't think there's ever been an age where that would have been more possible than where we live now and that's really inspiring especially to people our age because I think you know our generation in particular carries a lot of debt we carry a lot of stress and there is actually a large wage stagnation that has happened over the what 20 years definitely um so you know not only are the opportunities fewer and far than or you know fewer and far in between but these are also everybody's intelligent now 
Like everybody's beautiful. Everybody's on social media trying to make a buck. Everybody is. It, it's just a, such a saturated market to do any of these things. And so trying to find that leverage and trying to find that balance of making yourself interesting and stand out is hard. And then, cup, you know, sprinkle being a girl on top of that. And it's even harder. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, that's really why I want to do stand up comedy. Um, we've talked, everybody knows that I, in my clinic, everybody knows, like, I'm going to be a stand-up comic when I'm probably going on my minimalist year. <laughs> it's going to be like my Dave Chappelle year. You know how he just went to Africa yeah. and did nothing? That's going to be me. Um, because I, I think that's why I want to make jokes of this. Yeah. I feel like we have worked so hard and, um, you know, talking through these types of situations is great, but I want to be humorous about this millennial experience and millennial being mixed race. So I, um, you know, I, I completely agree with you. And I think the world needs more perspective on that and needs more um, honest feedback and invoice. And I'm really excited to get to do that with stand up comedy, hopefully one day a Netflix show or whatever is out at, you know, in 20 years, mm-hmm. um, maybe Disney plus Hello? Yeah. <laughs> Disney. Um, and then, you know, realistically, I think that interviewing awesome awesome people mm-hmm. through this show is going to teach us so much like I'm oh, excited good. I'm so and we have some good ones for you like I can't believe how well you've done on the roster for interviews cash and I'm excited to interview you because I think we need to know <laughs> about you now so okay well before we close is there anything that you'd like the viewers to know I guess they're not viewers they're they're listeners they're listeners they're little the audience buds, the yeah. rosy buds yeah. um, I would love my rosy buds to know that no matter what your decision is if you were raised religious, non-religious, you know, cisgendered, non-cisgendered. Chaperoned or not. Chaperoned or not. um, Just be truly okay with the evolution of yourself. If you're overweight, if you're not where you want to be, if you're not okay with it, it's really important to understand the journey. Maybe not be completely okay with everything in it, but I think understanding that having the good with the bad is a really important element of life. And don't get too caught up in the concepts of, you know, black and white. It needs to be a lot of gray and it needs to be a lot of what's true to you. So that's that's what I want them to know. That's like my mantra. Like, that's be well as said. true as you, which I try every day to be as true as me and not accommodate mm-hmm. um, as you can. So, OK, I hope this helped you guys. And I thank you guys for listening to this portion of the Rosé Room. I know this is not our usual type of thing. But we're just trying to keep you on your toes. Yeah, and answer some questions. You know, yes. we've had a few questions come in and I, I know we'll do reiterations of these things. And if you if you want us to like interview certain people, like I, I had a one person be like, interview Dean, like we want to know about him. So we'll see if we can drag him on the show next. Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, we want to be as transparent about who we are as possible. So a lot of people wanted to get to know us on a little bit more of a personal note. Um, So we're going into some details that we received through social media, um, through just personal conversations we've had, and then also some information that we wanted you guys to know about who we were. So um, we hope this makes you feel a little bit more connected. Um, And we're excited to to interview Cashins up next. Yep, I'm up next. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this editions of the rose room don't forget to like subscribe and review this podcast if you have any questions please submit them to info at the rose room we'll see you next week guys